you should have things in your life that spark joy, whether that's a lot of things or a few things. Most people find that they get rid of a lot of things as part of that journey, but it's not really the focus. Yeah, it's really a shift in perspective. So we are putting the attention on what's positive and fun and inspiring to think about. And that's this idea of joy rather than dwelling on the more negative, uh, which would be this uh, anxiety that comes along with discarding things or anxiety we may have when we think about the large task of confronting the clutter in our homes. Welcome to Spark Joy, the podcast dedicated to celebrating the KonMari method and the transformative power of surrounding yourself with joy and letting go of all the rest. With your hosts and certified KonMari consultants, Kristen Ivey and Karen Sochi. And now, here's the show. Hello and welcome to Spark Joy. I'm Kristen. And I'm Karen. And today we're going to talk about Kanmari basics. We realize that some of you may not be familiar with Marie Kondo and her best-selling book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, that introduced the world to the Kanmari method. Some of you may have heard of Kanmari in passing or referenced in pop culture and are curious about what this thing really is. So either way, you're in the right place. In this episode, we'll be exploring KonMari basic concepts and principles, just so that we're all on the same page and ready to spark joy. So let's get started by taking a step back and talking about Marie Kondo, the queen of tidy and the person who discovered and created the KonMari method. She's been tidying since she was five years old. She loved to put the bookshelves in her, her classroom in order rather than playing on the playground. She's always loved putting things in order and she found that was kind of her safety net, I guess you could say. So she, as she got older and became a teenager, she realized that in Japan, they studied sewing and cooking in school, but there wasn't really any curriculum around putting a home together and organizing. So what she did was she found every magazine and book on home organization that she could find and tested out all the different traditional ways of organizing on her family members. Now, sometimes that didn't make them very happy because she would throw out their things without really consulting them. But <laughs> um, we, we'll, we'll talk about that later, how that's really may not be the best approach. But she was living and learning and she tested out the meths, those methods on her own space as well. But the problem was nothing was really sticking for her. It really... Um, it was, she was just creating this like cycle of clutter. Things weren't staying organized. So she, one day she pretty much had a breakthrough, uh, and just, you know, kind of tidied herself into, and became super frustrated, but realized that there was a different way of doing things. And today we're going to talk about what that is because she essentially created her own strategy that created permanent and lasting change when it came to tidying a home. Right. So in, in a lot of the 
the traditions of organizing that Marie had explored and investigated, investigated, they talked a lot about tidying by location as opposed to category. So, for example, um, some of the methods would suggest that you start with the kitchen or the bedroom closet, which are the things that in a lot of ways we think of first when we think about clutter. We think about our cluttered closets or our messy kitchens. But Marie felt that after a lot of investigation that um, it was really more about the category that caused the problem. And that by looking at things as a category as opposed to by location, she was better able to get a handle on the larger aspects of the issue with each category. So as she continued on with these revelations, and some of them were um, really dramatic, um, such as her her concept of a spark joy, which we will talk about more as we go forward, um, she considered herself to be a tidying fanatic and decided that this was really her life's calling. Um, she started a business um, as a as a home organizer in Japan, and quickly became extremely popular and. Um, um, everyone wanted to have her come and organize their homes. She even had a waiting list of a couple of months at some at one point. So as part of that, and as kind of an expansion of her business, she started training consultants to tidy people's homes um, with the KonMai method. Um, and as time went on, those consultants became more and more um, popular and um, their businesses were taking off, and she decided that she wanted to bring Kanmari to the world, which is when she started um, writing. And she wrote her book, um, which has now been translated in many, many different languages and has sold upwards of seven or more million copies. And her mission, Organize the World, is something that originally, I think, started tongue-in-cheek with her, this idea that she could... Um, facilitate everyone organizing all over the world. But I think more and more it's becoming a reality. Yeah. I mean, she's one woman with a very large mission and message to spread. So it's really cool that now she's provided this opportunity for people who are really have found that Kanmari has changed their life so much so that that after organizing, they've realized they want to actually become an organizer to actually be trained and certified in the Kanmari method. So uh, that's what we are certified in as well. Um, so I'm here in Chicago and Karen's in New York, and we're part of that first group of, of consultants being trained and coming through. And we officially are certified in the Kanmari method. So we get to help people in our areas of the world uh, to get organized so one of the things that we talk about when we talk about um, the KonMari method is this concept of spark joy. And in fact, in a lot of ways, this is the concept that a lot of people know first and foremost about the method if they haven't read the book, because this idea of spark joy um, has been portrayed in the in pop culture a lot of times, sometimes with um, a little bit of, uh, of humor um, because it is kind of an interesting concept, this idea that um, you should evaluate your belongings on the basis of whether or not they spark joy. So 
that by itself is something, a concept that's a little troublesome for some people. One of the things that we will talk about is the idea of, of how literally we take that and how we apply it to not only objects, but to the things in our life. So basically, or not only objects, but the um, things in our life, such as health, our um, finance, our diets, and different things like that, as opposed to just applying it to our possessions. And the idea is, is that we surround ourselves with the things that spark joy or the things that we find to be useful. And it gives us the permission to keep the things that we love and that we want to have and to let go of the things that we don't feel that way about. So um, this basically means that as consultants, we tell our clients that it doesn't matter whether or not you keep everything or keep nothing, get rid of everything. It's not a, it's not a minimalist philosophy. It's a philosophy that says you should have things in your life that spark joy, whether that's a lot of things or a few things. Most people find that they get rid of a lot of things as part of that journey, but it's not really the focus. Yeah. It's really a shift in perspective. So we are putting the attention on what's positive and fun and inspiring to think about. And that's this idea of joy rather than dwelling on the more negative, uh, which would be this uh, anxiety that comes along with discarding things or anxiety we may have when we think about the large task of confronting the clutter in our homes. So it's all about shifting to the positive and only surrounding ourselves with the things that will also fit into the picture of our ideal lifestyle and ideal living environment, which is actually something that's often skipped. Um, it's a big part of the Kanmari method, and it's it's one of the first chapters in the book. And I, I can imagine that it's often skipped because once you finish the life-changing magic of tidying up, the first thing you want to do is just start discarding things. But really, uh, the most important step is to actually take a look at that ideal lifestyle and ideal living environment. Because when you ground your decisions in that vision, you're able to, you know, decide what sparks joy within the context of your future, where you're going, the person you're becoming. So it really helps when you're on the fence uh, in a gray area when trying to decide whether or not to keep something or discard it. So a lot of people, um, come across different concepts uh, that we have found to be um, what we call the the myths of KonMari. So, and this is also an area where um, some people find there to be a little bit of humor in this idea that um, what if everything you own sparks joy or what if nothing you own sparks joy? Does this mean that um, you keep everything even if it means that you continue to have a cluttered environment or does this mean, on the other hand, that if you if you can't find things in your life that spark joy, do you just get rid of everything? Um, so, of course, obviously, those two extremes are not what we're looking for. Um, but there is this idea that something can be useful um, and spark joy. So, for example, let's say we're talking about a common example is like a work uniform. Well, the u work uniform itself may not spark joy at all, but because it allows you to go to your job and to make money, which is something that you, of course, need to do in order to experience joy at all, then your uniform is a method or a means to an end. Um, and the end 
is sparking joy for you. So it's not something that you take so literally that you get rid of everything that doesn't make your heart swoon. Um, most of us only have a few items in our life that actually do that. Um, and if we're lucky, we have several items that make us feel that way. But for the most part, we look at things as to whether they're useful, whether or not they're beautiful, um, and whether or not they add to our lives as opposed to, as Kristen said, create more anxiety for us. Exactly. And we'll, of course, be revisiting this idea of joy and spark joy throughout many of the episodes that will follow. I mean, we love the idea so much. We named our podcast Spark Joy. So (laughs) we'll definitely be returning to this idea. But for today, just Kanmari Basics, we wanted to let you know where this whole idea came from. It was one of the epiphanies that Marie Kondo had when she was tidying herself into kind of um, a frenzy there and got a bit stuck and couldn't figure out why the clutter kept returning into her life. So another major concept, I would say, in Kanmari is this idea, and you've probably heard the phrase, tidy once and for all. Uh, Kanmari style tidying is very unique in the fact that it's not about doing a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit at a time over, you know, years um, or or calling organizers into the home year after year after year to return to help you manage clutter. What Kanmari uh, really takes into account is that this should, tidying should be a one-time special event. I've heard it called anything from uh, a Kamari Festival, a Kamari Marathon, a Kamari um, just party, <laughs> anything. Uh, it's really just a one-time event. So it has a start and it has a finish. And it's about confronting confronting clutter in a comprehensive way so that you res- it results in lasting change. So you're almost shocking your system in a good way um, so that you start to uncover some clues about how this clutter is entering your home, whether it be shopping habits, whether it be accepting gifts or clutter from others um, who are passing it down to you. Um, you, f- you might have some guilt or around letting that go. Uh, it's about examining what and really confronting every single item in your home so that you're making sure that it's there for intentionally. It serves a purpose. It brings you happiness and joy and it inspires you. And so that is, I guess, uh, another concept is tidying quickly in a short amount of time. So this is a Japanese-based decluttering method in Japan. There is a small, you know, small footprints and they have homes that are around 500, 600 square feet and they have maybe one wardrobe to hold everything, clothes as well as miscellaneous and everything else. So uh, for them, that might be feasible or for those in the U.S. who have smaller homes, you could tidy perhaps over a weekend, for example. Uh, But for those who have larger homes, uh, there's really, when we say quickly, we really mean within six months, uh, if you want to put some rough boundaries and if it takes less or longer amount of time, that's okay. We all have lives and other things we have to do other than tidying. So that's okay. Um, but that's what we mean by kind of creating a, an event or tidying once and for all. So taking time, whether it be every week, every weekend, 
uh, every day if you can afford to, um, or may, you might take time off to even tidies. I've, I've had clients who've done that. Uh, it's all about just setting and making this a priority and setting up time in your schedule to focus on uh, the items in your home. That's exactly right. And for me, I have found that a lot of folks um, are able to zip through categories, just boom, 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 and they become just really um, caught up in the whole whirlwind idea of this tidying festival. Um, for other clients, it takes a while. It takes um, they're much more um, reflective about their items and want to give everything um, a little more thought. So, and there's really no right or wrong way. At the end of the day, I, I can tell you that all clients who work through the steps, who get through all the categories, experience the same level of um, of, uh, of happiness with with the outcome. So, it really isn't a matter of how long it takes. It's much more about having a completion, having it be completely done. So. Um, and sometimes folks talk about, well, they got through step, the clothing step and, or maybe the clothing and the book step, but they just couldn't go any further. So they had to start all over again. So uh, there's a lot of things that can happen in between. So unfortunately, just starting the method does not mean you're going to finish it without um, a deliberate kind of plan to move forward, which is one of the things that um, the, um, the KonMari method allows us to do. Um, it gives us a, a, a pathway forward, but it starts with this one event. Um, and again, one of the things that I, I find to be really important for clients is that they um, stick with it, but that they not tidy when they're tired. So if that means, and that doesn't necessarily just mean um, physically tired, that means you have to have a little bit of enthusiasm to get through each category. It's not. Di it's difficult to make decisions um, around what you want to keep and what you want to discard. So it works better, it seems, when people are feeling um, not only physically awake, but just uh, ready to go, ready to do it. And for some people, that means they have to take a break in between categories. Um, and that's okay. It doesn't really matter. Like Kristen said, it's six months is kind of a, a target. But for some people, it takes much shorter. And for some people, it takes longer. There's really no right away to do it. Exactly. Yeah, and... Uh, just as a review, another key aspect of this method is that's unique is the uh, category. So we mentioned at the top of the episode that Marie Kondo realized that we're all tidying by location. We're waking up and saying, okay, maybe today we'll touch on the garage and try to tidy that up, or maybe today we'll do the bathroom clutter. Really, um, if that's kind of what's called like tidying in, in isolation or micro-organizing, whereas KonMari is more of a comprehensive method. So the categories that Marie Kondo intentionally created in this specific order are clothing, books, paper, kimono, which is miscellaneous items. So things like your kitchen items or tools, makeup, uh, hobby related craft supplies. Um, and then the final cab uh, category is sentimental. So those are the uh, categories. And, and I think a lot of people are introduced to Kamari and work through Kamari clothing category. And they at, I know some of my clients got kind of a false sense of satisfaction because they were so excited. Their clothing, their their clothing looked great. It was 
folded in a way that we'll touch on, which is unique to Kunmari, and everything was hung up and organized. But we all have to be careful because, uh, like Karen mentioned, it's important to actually walk through all of the categories in order to create that lasting change. Uh, so some uh, stop at clothing and then see the clutter with time slowly creeping in or see things getting more and more out of place. And that's just because they haven't completely worked through the entire series. Uh, tidying series is what I often call it. Right. So a lot of clients that I have uh, contact me because they feel overwhelmed with the amount of paperwork and when we get together to work on tidying, sometimes clients will say, well, I don't really have a big issue with clothing. I don't even have any books, but I really have an issue with paper. Can't we start there? And yeah, you could, but the thing is you're not going to get the full impact and you're not going to learn the basics of how to determine what you want to keep in your life without starting with clothing. Clothing is chosen as a, with a great, with a lot of intention, um, Marie Kondo discovered that clothing was the best category to start with because of its relationship to us physically. Clothing is the thing that is closest to us um, physically and also tends to evoke the most emotion in people. Um, you know, a lot of times shopping is therapy. You've heard the term retail therapy. And a lot of times that's applied to clothing. And we have certain feelings about colors and styles and um, types of clothing that make us feel different ways, colors that make us feel a certain way. So because clothing evokes so much strong emotion, the method discusses how it's better to start with clothing as a category because we are much more in touch with how we feel about clothing than any other category. So even if clothing is not especially a big deal or a concern for someone, if they could work through the clothing category, even if it means that they don't discard much, um, they're better equipped to move on to some of the more difficult categories. And if you notice, sentimental is at the end, and that's for a very good reason because sentimental um, – is a category where you have mementos of your life, of your past, of the people in your family, the people that you love. Um, and that's really a challenge. So we actually work up to the most difficult um, category. So that's why it seems to be really important for folks to go through the categories um, one at a time and in this order. Yeah. And I know that Marie mentions that clothing is actually the least sentimental category for most. Uh, so that's also another reason why we start there. And clothing is also the only item in your home that regularly <laughs> leaves your home and is reflective of your personality and your character. Uh, so it's, it's very important to start there. And you may find those sentimental items that Karen mentioned throughout all the categories. So you might find in books something that's sentimental or paper. Uh, instead of kind of going down memory lane, it's important to reserve them, just uh, like set them aside uh, for when you're ready to handle them, which is at the end uh, in, in when you reach uh, the sentimental items category. So it's really important to walk through these categories in the intentional order that Marie Kondo developed. And it's important to put pull everything 
from everywhere. So that includes like if we take clothing as the example, everything from your drawers and your closets, but also if you have clothing throughout your home, bring it all to one central location. So extract it from your car or your external uh, storage unit or your attic, wherever it may be, bring it all together and you pile it up and that's called the pile power of the pile. And you can also do this technique on any of the categories. So books, paper, kimono, it's very important to pull all together because you're actually confronting it. Um, it's There's something about just seeing everything in one place and really understanding the volume and the weight of those items in context with your home. And the goal is really to not only identify what sparks joy, but find harmony between you, your objects, and the boundaries that your home is presenting to you. When those three things are in alignment, then uh, you're unstoppable. You're a tidy machine. So it's very important to work through these categories and follow each one uh, in the right order and complete the series from clothing to sentimental items uh, all the way through. I just have recently had a client um, who posed a question to me, and I've actually heard this before. And the question was, well, what about the stuff that's in the laundry? Mm -hmm. And my first inclination was, you know, I don't think you need to go dig everything out of the laundry because if it's in the laundry, it's likely that you're wearing those things a lot. So those probably spark joy. Well, actually, that was very short-sighted on my part because my client went ahead and decided to go get the things out of the laundry even though it didn't make a lot of sense in some way because these were things that he was clearly wearing. But as he went through the stuff that was in the laundry, the stuff that he was getting ready to wash, he discovered that almost everything that he wore on a day-to-day basis the most was stuff that absolutely did not spark joy, Mm -hmm. that he was wearing them just because they were convenient on top of the pile, um, which a lot of people um, find that they wear the things that are closest and easiest to get to, but he actually found no joy and really didn't appreciate the things that he wore most of the time, which was really a wake-up call for me as far as how I approached it. So from from that point on, I've I've even encouraged clients to get the stuff out of the laundry. Um, of course, we can keep that in a separate pile if it's really dirty, but, um, but usually that's not an issue and, and people can work through that pretty quickly. But those seem to be really important um, concepts for, for folks, this idea of going to find everything. Um, and in fact, Marie has said in the book that once you've said, yes, this is everything I have, this is every bit of clothing that I have, that if you run across a piece of clothing on down the road, that should be a sign to you that that is an automatic discard. Because if it was so, um, if it was so hidden that you couldn't even find it or think of it, it's really unlikely that it sparks joy for you. Right. Yeah. That's a great point about the laundry. I have kind of a checklist of things that I, uh, provide to my clients and make sure that they do before I arrive. And one of those is to complete the laundry. They don't necessarily have to fold it, but they just make sure it's all clean and um, extracted from their drawers and and, uh, closets. And that's one I would say about uh, maybe... 30 to 50% of them actually do that ahead of time. Um, So it is, but it's really important to do. And it connects actually to the next key 
uh, elements of Kanmari, which is treating things with honor, appreciation, and respect. And so when the laundry is complete and we can make the decisions on uh, the not only the laundry, but the other things we've piled up, uh, the next step is actually to practice the Kanmari folding method. And you've probably seen this in various YouTubes or on various uh, popular TV programs that where Marie Kondo has demonstrated kind of folding, this unique folding technique that really it's all about transferring gratitude and love and respect through the palms of, palms of your hands as you smooth the clothes. And you fold it in a way, it kind of reminds me of origami in a way. It's very geometric. And uh, when you've completed the fold, the the clothes are actually stored upright and on edge. Kind of, um, if you look at your drawer, it'll kind of look like a library of clothing, um, for example. And each type and style of clothes has a unique way it's uh, to be folded. And it is all about you know, just treating your clothes with that extra love and respect. And when we can do that with things that are really small or things that we might may not think are significant, like our socks or our belts or things like that, um, you know, those, those things matter. They, they're on us. They're close to us. They socks, for example, are the only things that are connected to our home at all time when we wear them inside our home. So it's important to respect them and not ball them up or create tension in our drawers and stuff them in our drawers. Uh, it's all about, uh, folding them in a way that provides, uh, or that shows honor that we respect and honor the things that are supporting us in our life. And it makes it easier just to see our things all at once makes the, uh, getting dressed and out the door process very easy in the morning and just is, it, it's just look that small detail that pushes us to begin to maintain our home in this KonMari style. One of the things that I found is that um, clients, and actually I myself have re- really tripped over this idea that Marie talks a lot about, and that's the idea of showing respect and appreciation for the things that we're letting go of. And one of the things to remember is that like so many things in the method, it's really your your determination of what that means to you. So for example, for someone, it might be a very elaborate, um, um, intentional, um, and, and, an act of actually bidding things farewell or, um, showing them physical appreciation before you let them go. For other people, it's just this idea that, um, we acknowledge silently their significance or, um, we, um, appreciate that they, uh, did for us, whatever it was that they, whatever purpose they served in our lives, but that we're going to let them move on and allow the item to fulfill its intended purpose. And I've seen a couple of extremes in this area, but um, a lot of people have a hard time of letting go of things that um, they may love, but they can't wear for whatever reason. Maybe it doesn't quite fit, but they just, they love it. So it's sitting in the back of their closet um, and not worn, but they have a hard time letting go of it. And one of the things that I've 
I've talked about, because this has come up so often with clients, is this idea that if it's an article of clothing or an unread book, then that item is not fulfilling its intended purpose. And by letting it go to someone who would be able to appreciate it in the way that it was intended, we're actually allowing those items to fulfill their intended purpose. And sometimes that's a little bit easier um, especially if you think about this idea that if you let it go, then someone who may not have the means to ever obtain something like that, whether it's through your donation or something of that sort, they're able to appreciate something that um, that you really, you really, you, you created that um, for them, and it's just kind of a karmic um, benefit to the universe kind of thing. Another interesting thing that's happened to me with clients is this idea that um, sometimes clothing can be sentimental. Um, I had a client who um, was in sports and he um, had several jerseys, many jerseys from his time in this sport. And they were all sentimental, but he knew that he was never going to wear them. And he also knew that by letting them go, someone would really be able to appreciate them and wear them and get good use out of them. So what he decided to do, and this is based on a suggestion that, um, that someone who had done KonMari before had given us, and he decided to take photos of every single one of the jerseys. Um, the jerseys had dates and events um, of tournaments on them. So he took photos of all of the jerseys that he was letting go. And for him, that was his way of showing appreciation for those items. And he was able to let them go, knowing that whenever he wanted to, or when he occasioned to chance upon those um, photos, he would remember what those objects meant to him. And he didn't need to have them physically in his, in his possession any longer. Yeah, that's a great point. There's Many things that we hold on to, um, either because we think we're going to use them someday, or we feel that they are particularly, uh, or they represent some, some type of um, season in our life or experience. And really, that's already a part of us. In all cases, we don't really need the objects to kind of be a physical representation of um, those events. Um, and and sometimes holding on to these items restricts us in a way or doesn't allow us to fully grow. I know there's kind of two schools of thought when it comes to clothing that doesn't quite fit yet. So I call them goal clothes, <laughs> uh, clothes that we all have them, right? I, I don't think I've ever met a woman who doesn't have clothes in her closet that don't exactly <laughs> fit. Either they're too large or too small. So what we can do with that is we can either say, uh, I'm, we can either accept where we are in the present and let go of all clothes that don't currently fit. Um, I know one of the consultants in our training class uh, who's in Hawaii actually tried that. And she said that she lost weight quite quickly <laughs> after she let go of those smaller clothing items. Uh, but what I give my clients the opportunity to do is to actually keep uh, what they feel like is reasonable. I, I loop back to what their ideal lifestyle is. If if they've said they would like to work out or eat better or focus on health and they've set realistic goals, we try to see what clothing size marries up to those goals that they've set for themselves. And I say, instead of putting the gold clothes in a, a drawer, we tend to kind of stuff them in the back of our closet because we know we're not actively wearing them. I have them uh, hang them up 
very prominently in their closet because they should be clothes that they would wear if they fit or saw, saw the, or purchase if they saw in a store today. They should be relevant and current and spark joy. Um, and they also should inspire. They shouldn't make you feel guilty, right? They should, they should motivate you to work out more when you see them. So um, that's kind of how we determine which ones stay, stick around. And then we release uh, from, from the rest. I actually um, have had clients who've had that same dilemma with especially, and it seems to be clothes that we can't get into any longer. So sometimes when a client has presented to me um, that they believe this will be a dilemma before, and again, this comes back to when when you're talking about your vision, um, some a part of the vision is um, determining what challenges you may have to overcome in order to get to that vision. So when having that discussion, I've had clients tell me that they anticipate struggling with clothes in their closet that they can't wear, um, but that they want to be able to wear. So I have suggested that they maybe make some rules around that. So one rule might be um, if it would fit in 10 pounds either direction. So instead of keeping things that will only fit if you lose a really large amount of weight, what if you just kept clothes that would fit if you lost a a medium goal? So if you get to a 10-pound weight loss, it'll fit. Um, So it kind of makes it more obtainable, and um, it just puts some parameters around that for people. Um, Sometimes it might be how often you wear something. For some people, they this idea that, well, I haven't worn this for a really long time, but um, um, for me, that's okay. I don't usually wear things like this. Maybe it's something really dressy very often. So there might be a rule that you can put around that. Like if it's something that I haven't worn for a year and I don't anticipate wearing for the next three months, then I can let that go. So sometimes that makes the decision process a little easier. Another thing I think it's really important for people to do is to have a maybe pile. Um, So as they go through their their clothing or their books or whatever, they put aside those things that they can't make a decision about. Um, And then at the end of that category, we go back through and look at all of those items again. And a lot of times, once they've had some practice at deciding what sparks joy and what doesn't, they're able to go through that maybe pile really quickly. And um, then because of that, they're able to decide what sparks joy and what doesn't. Right. And anything that is discarded, uh, we should make sure to mention that you should thank those items. So I call it kind of letting go with gratitude or discarding with a thank you, uh, because it's important to literally say out loud, thank you. And you can simply say thank you, or you can say thank you item for keeping me warm or thank you for making me look good at my networking event, whatever you want to say to it, that kind of closes the chapter um, and recognizes the season and support um, that that item was, you know, really handy for. So it's important to definitely show appreciation, not only in the way we store and fold our clothing, but or or books, paper, kimono. Uh, it's also important to say uh, thank you. And just appreciate the history of the object and uh, how it played in our lives. So we've talked about 
the whole idea here of having a tidying event in our lives um, and making sure that we only keep the things that spark joy around us. Also, how important it is to organize category by category rather than location. And we've also touched on the elements of Kanmari that are all about honor, appreciation, respect, sending positive energy out so that it returns in new forms and new opportunities in our life. But really, you know, Kanmari begins, of course, as a home organizing technique and a decluttering method. But it really is uh, eventually molds into a lifestyle change and it has amazing impacts on our lives. Once we tidy up our home, we no longer are concerned with things getting out of place, uh, things getting uh, broken, destroyed, lost. Uh, we don't spend that average of 55 minutes a day is what I've heard um, on that Americans spend searching for things they can't find. When our home's in order, we feel better, we feel more productive, we're less stressed, and we can really open ourselves up to looking at other areas of our life that may need either additional attention or maybe even some additional joy as well. So things like career or hobbies, health and fitness, as well as uh, spirituality and community and volunteerism, things like that. So it gives us really the mental uh, space as well as the physical space to focus on things that really matter, like experiences, relationships, things like that. Yeah, um, it's really interesting how some people have found that Kanmai translates into many other areas of their life. Um, in many respects, being able to accomplish this, this entire um, tidying method um, gives people a real sense of accomplishment and new self-confidence that they can take out into the world and really begin to apply it to other things. And even in really concrete and specific things, as Kristen mentioned earlier, a lot of folks have found that their diets improve and that their health, um, they're more conscientious of the decisions that they make about their health. Um, and even in, in um, the books, Marie Kondo talks a lot about how um, there are rituals associated for her now with just simple acts that um, that we all, you know, just your daily routine, making sure that the daily routine is something that brings you joy. You could add a little joy into just about everything that you do with a little practice. And, and that's one of the things I think um, that people really don't expect when it comes to organizing, but it's something that a lot of folks really find happens. Um, for me, I think one of the biggest impacts is that I love to shop. I still love to shop. But before, I was a bargain shopper, so I got a great deal of satisfaction out of getting a great bargain. And although it, it was important that I liked the item, that was not nearly as important as getting a great deal. So I had lots of things that I didn't really like all that much, but I had gotten, um, you know, I'd had a lot of fun shopping for them. Um, and I felt that I had, you know, somehow had scored a great, um, a great, Prized by getting it for a great deal. But now for me, there is this idea that I am much more mindful about my shopping. So I'm much more likely to go into a store and look around and enjoy that experience, but I don't need to leave with anything. Um, 
And when I do purchase something, it's something that I really love. So even if it's more expensive, I would rather buy one thing that costs more than five things that are a great bargain because I know that that one thing that I really love is something that I'll get a lot of use out of and that I'll wear more. For sure. I had the same realization with my situation. I realized that clutter was simply a symptom of me kind of being unsatisfied in other areas of my life, um, such as just career or health. Uh, And so when I first got started with Kunmari, I started with clothing, of course, and found $300 worth of clothes that still had tags on them in my closet. So I realized that I was really not paying attention to my shopping habits. I was purging and donating things every year. um, But really, I wasn't being mindful about what I was bringing in. And it was really just the cycle of clutter. So I think uh, being much more mindful about what we bring into the home is one of the reasons why this method um, really teaches you to shift your perspective um, so that you don't have what we call a rebound where the things you're bringing into your home don't have a place to go, aren't replacing things that may have lost their joy and luster. Um, So it's very important aspect. And I, I think finances is one of the major categories that most of my clients say there's, there's a shift there because we're really being more conscious about the objects we choose to surround ourselves with. And also I, when I was training to be certified, I relied on a lot of my family members as kind of test subjects for this. Yeah. And uh, it was so interesting how this whole concept of what sparks joy opens up so many different conversations, especially with those close to you. Uh, and my parents, for example, just kind of understanding why they were holding on to certain things that I may have been dismissive about um, if I didn't know the backstory. Uh, so I'm still working through this Kamari method with my father, for example, and he's uh, sharing stories along the way, which is just something that might not have happened if we didn't have this tool to utilize to kind of um, help us walk through this with a little more ease. And I think um, I think that is so true. I mean, it's really endless the the areas of our lives that this can impact. Um, I, one of the important concepts for me is this idea of um, what kind of a legacy do I want to leave behind? Um, and I see a lot of folks really struggling with this. I think a lot of us who have older parents are thinking about um, making sure that that our that our the lives of our parents as they age um, are relaxing and peaceful and serene. So one of the things that I think a lot of us do as children of older parents is to try to unburden them with with projects and possessions that they may be hanging on to for whatever reason. Maybe they think that these are things that we want to have um, on down the road. And maybe there's an important conversation to have about, about that. One of the things that I've read about in places other than um, kind of the Marie Kondo literature is this idea of um, the unpopularity of brown furniture. And what that means basically is all of the furniture that, um, that for generations we have considered to be kind of the mainstays, you know, the oak and maple and, um, 
and you know the various woods that made up our tables and our cabinets and our our china closets and all of those pieces of furniture that um that for many decades we have considered to be um you know, something to be handed down from generation to generation. And as they became older and older, they became more and more valuable. As it turns out, over the last many years, the, the tide has really turned. And a lot of that furniture that used to be considered, you know, really important and valuable and, and, and um, would cost a lot of money in an antique shop is not something that we necessarily are looking for any longer. Our homes have become lighter um, and we often have fewer things um, in our homes. Um, and a lot of times that furniture that maybe our folks are hanging on to um, will not be something that we want to have. So sometimes those conversations can be really important. And for myself, I want to make sure that, that what I leave to others is this idea that, um, that it's really about joy and it's about um, an experience as opposed to a thing. So, for example, for, for me and my family, we are trying to give each other experiences more than gifts. So, for example, um, tickets to a show or um, um, trips out of town, vacations, um, things that we can enjoy together are becoming much more important to me um, than um, actual items. So we're trying to pass that along as something that we can, we can benefit from more than a tangible item. Exactly. So now we want to hear from you. Tell us your burning tidying questions or share stories about how Kanmari has impacted your life. You can find us at sparkjoypodcast.com and click Ask Spark Joy to leave a question or comment for a chance to be featured on next week's show. You can also join the discussion on Facebook or on Twitter at, at SparkJoyPodcast. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope your day sparks joy. Thank you for listening to Spark Joy with your host, Kristen Ivey of For the Love of Tidy in Chicago and Karen Sochi of The Serene Home in New York City. Spark Joy, the podcast is not endorsed by or affiliated with Conmari Media Incorporated. The opinions expressed on this episode represent the views of the co-hosts and guests alone and do not represent the corporate position of Conmari Media Incorporated or the Conmari Consultant Community.